I love you. Um, we'll be in Second Thessalonians um, chapter three. to everyone that participated uh, in, in um, prayer week this week. Um, we, had a, we had three prayer meetings, four prayer meetings, and then we had um, a, a room that ran for 24 hours. So there was someone in there praying um, for 24 hours. And um, so those of you especially that did the late night, early morning, thank you. When mine came up, I asked Sarah, whose idea was this? And she said, it was yours. Yeah, is that what I said? Did I say idiot? Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't miss anything. All right, Second Thessalonians 3. Um, and uh, we'll pray that this would, would bear fruit. So he says, Now, brothers, pray for us that the word, the message about the Lord would continue to run swiftly and be received with due honor, just as happened with you, and that we should be rescued from those wicked and evil men. Not all you see have faith. Faithful, however, is the Lord, and he will strengthen you. He will guard you from the evil one. And we have complete confidence in union with the Lord regarding you, that you are doing and will indeed keep on doing the things we instruct. Now may the Lord keep your hearts devoted to the love of God and the patient endurance demonstrated by the Messiah. That's um, God's word. So this is our last Sunday, um, working through the different, um, some different prayers of Paul. And we do this for two reasons. One is we need God's spirit um, to be faithful in our mission of worship, discipleship, and evangelism. And God's ordained means of receiving the spirit is prayer. That's just how it works. If you don't like it, it's not my idea. Okay, it, it's how God is, it's his mechanism for how, how it works. So we have to pray. And then second reason we're going through these um, prayers is that learning the prayers of the apostles gives us uh, uh, insight to what they thought mattered most, right? And therefore what they prayed for. And so if we want to imitate them as they imitate the Lord, we want to pray um, like they pray. So I think it's interesting to look at all the things they pray for and at the same time look at the stuff that n- it never is mentioned in their prayers. You know what I mean? We pray for everything, Philippians 4, but like when they're praying and writing out their prayer, it's like um, the same stuff over and over and over. So the third prayer that, of Paul that we're looking at starts really simply. And now, brothers, pray for us that the message about the Lord would continue to run swiftly. Right? That the message about the Lord um, would move with due honor just as happened among you. So the message about the Lord is just Paul's um, simple gospel, which is this, that all the promises uh, from the, the prophets, okay, that all the nations would be blessed, that the son of David would rule all the nations from Jerusalem, that people would receive new hearts and new spirits and never turn from the Lord again, that a serpent would be crushed, wickedness would be totally removed um, from the earth, and the restoration of all things would happen when the Messiah comes, that message has all been confirmed, okay? Those things are all true through the resurrection of Jesus. That's Paul's message. All those things, they're true, they're reliable, and we know this because God raised Jesus from the dead, stamping these things as absolutely going to happen, okay? If you raise the guy out of the grave, that's confirmation that everything that the prophet said um, is true, It's real, and you can bank on it. And, like kind of the second part of Paul's gospel especially, is that Jews and Gentiles can be saved from coming wrath, okay? 
Because to purge the earth from wickedness means purging the earth from wickedness, right? Okay. They can be saved from the coming wrath and inherit eternal life through repentance and trust in the cross, right? 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel I preached to you that Christ died for our sins on the third day um, he was raised. So that's the message that the apostles uh, are, are, are proclaiming throughout um, the, the history in Acts. And that's the message that just gets reinforced throughout all the letters. Okay, Eternal life is coming. The age to come is coming. The wrath of God is coming. And you can inherit it. Though you don't deserve it, you can inherit it through trust in the cross. And so if that's the message the apostles reinforce over and over and over and over and over, uh, we want to reinforce that message. Okay? We have a simple gospel. Now is not always because Jesus died for our sins. And if you're not believing that message, okay, if you're not putting your trust in that and then ordering your life around those things, the cross and the day, you will not be saved when Jesus returns. Okay, you will not inherit eternal life, but you will receive judgment for your sins and it will be good and right of God to do so. It will not be unjust for God to punish the wicked for their sins. So, please, today, put your trust in the cross, turn from your sins, receive the Holy Spirit, and get on the path that leads to life. Okay? Because it does lead to life. It's not, a, you know, it's, not, it's not hot air. The resurrection says, no, that kind of life, submission to God in all things, actually leads to eternal life. So if you have questions about that message today or help believing that message, what does it mean to repent? What does it mean to put my trust in the cross? What does the resurrection of Jesus mean about my resurrection in, in the future? Talk to a member of Christian Life Church. Talk to any of our elders or, or fill out the form on our website and we'll, we'll talk to you. But don't leave here today not knowing that Jesus died for our sins. And if you trust in him, you can live forever. Okay? That's the message. And so... Paul, because he believes that God's work in the world is accomplished through prayer, he calls on the Thessalonians to pray for that message. Simple, cross-before-the-day message, and not other messages, right? He prays for this message to spread, not the other messages that are um, circulating at the time, right? Messages like, the day of the Lord has already happened, right? He's like, I don't want that being told to anyone, Okay, or that the resurrection has already happened. He's, he's clear. It's like in Timothy, like, no, 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 no. 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 <laughs> no. No. All right, he's emphatic, no. Okay, or, or that uh, Jews can inherit eternal life just because their dad's last name is, you know, whatever. No. The Gospels tell us that, Romans tells us that, or even worse, the Gentiles have to become Jews to inherit eternal life. No! He doesn't want any of those messages spreading. He wants this simple message that Jew and Gentile alike can, through the cross, inherit eternal life. He wants that to spread quickly, to run swiftly. All those other messages need to you know, stop going out, but this message needs to go out, and that message requires prayer. And so it's, it's just common, he's just taking this from... Um, his Lord, Jesus taught to pray that the word would run swiftly. Matthew nine thirty seven. Jesus says, hey, the harvest is abundant, right? The fields are white, but the workers are few. Therefore, what should you guys do? You should pray 
to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that the word would run um, swiftly. The apostles pray this way. Um, we, we've read this three times this morning, so we'll reinforce it again. The apostles, Acts 4, they lifted their voices together to God, and they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, grant to your servants, give to us, to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So they're praying, God, grant us boldness to not shrink back and continue proclaiming the word while you back it up with power, right? Because you raise someone from the dead, people are going to be like, I think they might be telling the truth, right? Or at the very least, I'm terrified of this person and I'm going to do what they say just for fear, right? Back up the word. That's not the goal, but you see what I'm saying? Verse 31, it says, and then when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And anytime you see filled with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, someone's always about to give witness to Jesus. Okay, they're filled. They talk every single time. They're filled with the Spirit and they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. So in the minds of Jesus and the apostles, the word going out, it requires prayer. So Paul writes to the Thessalonians, pray for us. That the word may continue to run um, swiftly. All right? Makes sense? Easy? You want the gospel to get to Tonkawa? You need to pray for the gospel to get to Tonkawa. Okay? Paul prays not just that the word would go out, which is good. The word going out is good. But also that it would be received. So he says, and now, brothers, pray for us. Please pray for us. That the message about the Lord would continue to run swiftly and be received with due honor just as happened with you, okay? So for the word to be received doesn't just mean that the word is heard, but that the word is obeyed. And all the parents said, amen. Yeah, I heard you, you know what I mean? But I didn't, you know, didn't do the thing that you said. The word has to be heard, and if it's received, it's obeyed. So this is Jesus' issue um, with the different groups that he's fighting with in the Gospels. Not that they're not keeping the law, or not that they don't know the law. It's that they're not keeping it. It's like you guys aren't actually keeping the law. You're hearing the word, but you're not obeying it. All right, like that's a big problem for Jesus. The Thessalonians, however, that Paul was just with for three weeks. They heard it and they obeyed it. So 1 Thessalonians 1, the first letter, he says, Our gospel did not come to you in word only, right? Like it got there. Paul's there. He's you know, doing the Not in word only, but also the word got to you in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance, okay? So the message goes out. God confirms the message with works of the Spirit, okay? And whether that's, that's gifts or, or signs and wonders, like multiple times in the, in the uh, letters, it's like the gospel went out and then gifts were given, power happened, whatever. So that's one way that Paul knows that the word was not just heard, but received, is the Spirit confirms it, right? Peter talks to, um, preaches the gospel to Cornelius' family, and they all start talking in different languages. That'd be weird. Okay, but it's the Spirit coming on when Peter says, hey, that's the same thing that happened to us in Acts 2 and Acts 4. And it's happening to Gentiles now. So I guess they've actually believed the gospel and they'll actually inherit e- eternal life. So that's one way that, that the word is, is not just heard but received. A next way that it's heard and not just received and how Paul knows that you didn't just hear it, but you received it with due honor is because of how people live after they hear it. Okay, 
Like this is a big tell. So he keeps writing, verse 5, You know how we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became, after you heard the word, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And what does that look like? When, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. Right? So Paul says, I know that you guys actually believe the word and actually receive the message about eternal life because you're enduring hardship like we have and like Jesus did. That's how we know. Like that, That's the litmus test. That's the tell, right? Because anyone can say they're a disciple of Jesus when everything is going well. Not hard, right? Like anyone, anyone can do that. But the tell, right? <laughs> any, any rapper who's won an award, right? You know, right? Anyone can say they're a disciple of Jesus when things are going well, but the tell that you've received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit is really shown when when the cancer diagnosis comes. Okay? Or your spouse turns out to be less than wonderful, or your job's at stake because you won't affirm that men can be women, or fill in the blank. When things get hard on behalf of, of, of Jesus, and you stay on the path, and you don't quit and, and you don't cave. Paul said, oh, I know you guys. The gospel came to you not just in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. Because hardship has come to you. And instead of imitating the world, you've imitated us and you've imitated Jesus. And Paul's like, all right, you guys actually heard it. You're actually believing this thing. Because if you have hardship for 80 years but you're living for the next 10 billion years, you can handle and deal with difficulty. But if you didn't actually believe the message about the resurrection in the age to come, this 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years becomes a very big deal. And you can cave in light of it. Does that make sense? You don't, you don't endure persecution. You don't endure suffering unless you have the blessed hope in mind. These people do. They heard it. They received it with honor. And verse 7, as a result, you became, because of how you endured persecution, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in those places, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything. For they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you. So uh, Paul, you know, goes to another uh, another congregation. And he's like going to tell them about the Thessalonians and how they've endured persecution and stayed faithful to Jesus. And they're like, yeah, we've already heard it. Right. We already know. Right. Their example has gone out into the churches. And so last way that we know that the word is not just heard, but actually received. Verse nine, the reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols. You guys were worshiping idols, worshiping false gods, giving yourselves to all their works and ways. You heard the gospel, which includes repentance and turning from those things. And now you've turned from God, or turned, not turned from God, turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming Wrath, okay? So for the word to go out swiftly, want that, but to also be um, received with due honor means we want it to go out and we want the power of the Spirit to accompany it, okay? Like, because I can just talk and 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 talk. But unless the Lord confirms it with power, unless the it's just words. Who cares? No one cares. 
until the Spirit comes in power. And if we want people to hold on to it in times of trouble, and we want actual change, actual repentance um, and, and worship to take place, and we, if we want people to develop in their hearts a, a Maranatha, come Lord, cry, and to walk out their days waiting for the Son to return from heaven, if we want that, then we have to pray for it. We pray that the word would run swiftly and be received with due honor. So this is how Paul prays. We want to imitate him. Okay? We want to pray for the same things and in the same way that he did. So when you go to pray and you pray for our church, pray that the message would run. Pray that the, that the word would go out. Pray that we would believe deep in our guts that the Messiah has died, has risen, and will come again. And pray that it would run, that we would be obedient in giving this message and opening our mouths to our family, to our community. And that this gospel, that this one, cross day, this gospel, not a counterfeit, would, would, would run through all of our sermons, all of our songs, all of our classes, all of our home groups, all of our one-to-one interactions. Like, God, let the gospel, let the word about Jesus go out. Always, 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 always. But don't just pray that it goes out. That's good. We want it to go out. But pray that it would be honored and received. Okay? Pray that when the word goes out, the power of the Spirit accompanies it. Okay? We pray forever's preaching. We pray for him every Sunday. Right? That little 30-second prayer there, we do it because it matters. Like we're really, Okay? As the guy who's normally preaching, like, thank you. It matters we, that, that we pray there. We pray that, the, that it sustains people in trial. They hear the gospel and they're able to endure. And we pray that when it goes out, it's received and people really turn from sin. They actually, you know what I mean? I just hear the gospel at camp one year and then I live exactly how I lived before that. But the word goes out, people turn from sin. Whether that's hatred or drunkenness or sexual morality or gluttony, whatever. That obedience to everything Jesus commanded follows them Saying, yeah, I believe that. I give these things to him and pray that as the word goes out, people would put their hope and their faith to waiting patiently for the son's return from heaven. When faith becomes sight and hope is no longer necessary, right? There's no hoping in the age to come. He's here. He's come. All right. So that prayer is always relevant. Pray the word of the Lord would run swiftly and that it would be honored wherever it goes. It would be received in all of these different ways. Okay, so let's pray that often, right? Pray that often. The word goes. Next part of the prayer is one that Paul ends up praying a lot, actually. Okay, it's about bad guys. Verse 2, pray that we would be rescued from wicked and evil men. Not all you see um, have faith. Later in his life, he's going to pray this in, in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, we were pressed so far beyond our own ability to endure that we lost all hope of ever coming out alive. Indeed, we felt that uh, as if the very death sentence itself had been passed against us. Yet this happened, hardship happened, so that we would learn to place our confidence not in ourselves, but in God um, who raises the dead. All right? I don't wish this for anyone, but the Lord does it. Okay? You're kind of trusting in yourself, so here's a really hard time. To learn to trust in me. Verse 10. He rescued us from the very jaws of death. And will continue to come to our rescue. In him we have placed our hope. That he will rescue us. Yet again as you two join in helping us. How? By praying. You guys helping us be rescued. God's rescuing us out of this. In response to you guys praying. 
And many will be those who, as a result of our rescue, give thanks to God on our behalf for how he graciously delivered us from danger in answer to what? To so many prayers. Romans 15, Paul's in trouble again. He says, he says, pray that I might be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, that my ministry to Jerusalem might be acceptable to the saints, and that by God's will I might come to you with joy uh, and be refreshed with you. So Paul's gospel gets him in trouble all the time. All the time, okay, um, with, with, with Jews and Gentiles. With, with Gentiles, Paul's message gets him in trouble because um, it, it hurts the, hurts the pocketbook, right? He goes into Ephesus, tells people to turn from idols and serve the living God. What happens to the idol economy? It tanks. Like, literally, it tanks. And so they're mad. At, like, you take people's money, like, that's, that, that makes people mad. And rightfully so. It makes people mad. And there's a mob, Right? Not because Paul actually did anything. He just told people, don't worship idols. Worship the God of Israel. And so the Gentiles don't like him. And then Jews are always uh, uh, mad at their brother, Paul. Right? Paul's message about their need to repent um, gets twisted. And they say, well, he's teaching contrary to the law, teaching contrary to the temple, which he never does. And then they want to stone him like they stone um, Stephen. Okay? So he just makes people mad. Wherever he goes. And the problem uh, with the mobs and the problem uh, with the beatings isn't just mobs and beatings. Though mobs and beatings are a problem. Agreed? Okay. The problem is that those things, and, and by, just by the way, all of the things done to Jesus, all of the things done to the apostles, all, uh, and Paul especially, all of them are illegal. All of them break Roman law and Jewish law, and it, so it's bad. You know, it's illegal things happening to them. The main problem, though, is that those things hinder what Paul has been praying for—that the gospel would spread. Right? Like he's going into a place, wants to spread the gospel, and then he goes to prison. It's like, oh, I, ha-, you know, I was going to meet with this crew tonight, and now I'm, I'm in prison. And the way it can hinder, like it can hinder it literally, persecution and, and wicked and evil men. Like if persecution is so intense and the person is imprisoned, normally that stops the message going out, right? Or they're killed. Right? What does David say? Lord, how can I proclaim your name if I'm dead? Right, so it can hinder it, it, it that way, or even just like wicked and evil men can hinder it, um, like psychologically or or spiritually. Okay, so like this happens to missionaries in hard places all the time. If you wake up knowing every single day is going to be met with opposition, that grinds on you over time. You know what I mean? Like you're going out, and and the laws of the land just make your life and your your message hard. Eventually, you give up. Right, just the human heart, the human psyche can only take so much. Um, not success every day is like ten steps backwards, and the reason is generations of wicked men have made the soil so rocky that they feel like all of their planting, all of their watering is just worthless. And uh, I'm, I'm done. I've been here for ten years. I've seen no fruit. I, I just can't do it now. I do want to say the Lord always works these things out, right? If the word does get hindered and they throw Paul in prison, what happens? Earthquakes. <laughs> the, whole, the, the jailer's whole family gets saved. You know, like the word is going to spread. But ideally, you, they could just go into a town and, and preach the message. They would rather do so unhindered. 
That's why he's praying for it, all right? So he prays that we would be rescued from those wicked and evil men, those without faith who are purposefully hindering the message. And we should pray the same way, right? We should ask God for wicked men, wicked regimes to be removed so that the gospel can go forth unhindered, right? Is the gospel going forth in North Korea? Absolutely, okay? Would it be nice if they could just go do it? Absolutely, right? You know what I mean? Like, don't, we don't have to, those don't have to um, fight. So Paul asks for prayer, and then he turns back to his this Thessalonican congregation, who's enduring their own persecution from wicked and evil men. He says, verse 3, Faithful, however, is the Lord, and he will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Because who's ultimately fueling the wicked and evil men that Paul is praying for rescue for? The evil one, Right? Um, similar to what Jesus taught the disciples to pray, Matthew 6, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one, uh, who's ultimately the reason that Paul's crew is having difficulty getting back to Thessalonica, First Thessalonians 2. He says, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. We wanted to get to you. We, we, we couldn't get there. Um, who's fueling the, the man of lawlessness we looked at last week, Second Thessalonians 2? When the wicked one or the lawless one comes, he will be empowered by Satan, right? Right? <laughs> like That's the bad guy, exercising full power, performing all kinds of counter signs and wonders, and doing every wicked thing he can to deceive those. Ephesians um, 6, right? The classic passage, our struggle Paul says, it's not against flesh and blood, right? It's not ultimately with the wicked and evil men, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, evil spiritual forces in the heavens, okay? So Paul prays that you guys would also be rescued from the evil one. And Paul believes the Lord is faithful to do it, all right? Paul, so when you think about um, the, like, the, the, whatever, the cosmic battle between uh, the Lord and the devil, don't think of it as like evenly matched, Okay, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's not that. It's not what it is. Paul's confident that the Lord is going to do the thing. So verse 4, he says, we have complete confidence with the Lord. Right? The Lord's confident, very confident guy, regarding you that you are doing and you will indeed keep on doing, even with this antagonism from the evil one, you'll keep doing the things we instruct. Okay? And the Lord will rescue you from wicked and evil men. So... Whether or not these prayers um, get answered on, on Paul's timeline or the Thessalonians' timeline, right? Whether the, the wicked and evil men fueling them are allowed to keep inflicting damage on the church or not, Paul has confidence that the church won't quit, okay? Like, he, he would like them to be, um, he'd like them to be unhindered. But if you are hindered, the Lord will take care. Like you guys are gonna gonna sustain. They won't allow their mission to be hindered, and they're gonna stay on the path that leads to life. Keep doing the things He's instructed them as they wait for the sun from heaven, which looks like verse five. Verse five, the last prayer. He says, "May the Lord keep your hearts devoted to the love of God in the midst of wicked and evil men jacking with you." Okay. May the Lord keep your hearts devoted to the love of God and keep your hearts devoted to the patient endurance, patient endurance. Because what, what do you need if the enemy is just, you need endurance, right? So the patient endurance demonstrated by who? By the Messiah. Okay. 
And how did the Messiah demonstrate endurance? 1 Peter 2, which is a passage you should just have in your guts. Okay, And Robert, if you come help us, please, to finish whenever you're, you're good. 1 Peter 2, he writes this. Unjust suffering, unjust persecution, wicked and evil men, empowered by the enemy. This, you see, is what brings reward from God. If someone endures the pain and distress of undeserved suffering because he's conscious of God's will. If you suffer for doing good and you patiently endure it, this is worthy of reward in the eyes of God. That's important to know. Okay? That's that's really important. It is this kind of suffering, unjust suffering... Right? No one's saying this is great, this is right, this is unjust suffering. It is this kind of suffering and endurance to which you were summoned in view of the fact that the Messiah too himself endured undeserved suffering for your sake. Right? And obviously we would say for our sake, like in, in atonement for sins on the cross. But I think Peter here especially for our sake so that we could see what it looks like. Right? He modeled this for your sake. So you don't have to guess what it looks like. We can just look at the cross, okay? For your sake. This, sorry, back on the for your sake. This is, this is what Paul says. He says, I bear in my body um, what's lacking in Christ's afflictions for you. Doesn't mean Paul's like making atonement for them. He says, the marks on my body, me enduring persecution, me enduring hardship and staying faithful to the Lord... You didn't see that from the Messiah, right? It happened in a different time, different place. But you're seeing it in me. I'm, I'm, I'm in my body, bearing the marks of Jesus for your sake, so that you can see what it looks like, okay? Leaving you behind an example, so that you would follow in his footsteps. And what does that look like? When he was insulted, he refused to hurl insults in return. When he suffered, he made no threats but put his trust in the day of the Lord, right? Kept entrusting his cause to the one who judges justly, okay? That's the example. This is what Jesus calls you. So the message of, of Jesus' cross for the forgiveness of sins before the day of the Lord, that message will spread, okay? If you don't think it's going to spread, we're like, you're wasting your time. Like it, It's going to spread, and that message will be received, And it will be honored, which means people will hear the message from you, okay? From you, and they will really leave behind sinful desires and patterns of living, and they'll get on the path that leads to life while they wait for the sun from heaven. And because that this gospel is is going out, and it's being received and honored in the age to come, Matthew 8, many will come from the east and the west, the Gentiles, and they'll sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they'll do the hot wings thing. Look at us. (laughs) Many will come because the word went out and it was honored and everything sad will come untrue. Like, I'm sure of this. That's my vision of the future. A big table. Okay. But along the way, wicked men and evil men empowered by Satan will interfere. Okay. They will interfere and, and the messengers of the gospel will be afflicted. Sometimes they'll get imprisoned. Right? Sometimes they'll just get tired. Sometimes they'll get killed. 
But they will be rescued, whether through miraculous or normal means in this age, right? Right, like the Lord sends an angel or, or legislation gets passed. And if neither of those happen, they will be rescued at the day of the Lord, at the revelation of our Lord Jesus, when he brings affliction on those who have afflicted you with angels and, and fire, okay? So of these things, we can be sure. The gospel will go out, it will be received and honored, it'll be hard, the Lord will rescue, okay? So pray this um, with me, 2 Thessalonians 3. And now, brothers, please pray for us that the message about the Lord would continue to run swiftly and and be received with due honor. So, Lord, send out the word, um, God, through... uh, individuals in this church, through our home groups, through our classes, through these gatherings. God, send out the word. Let it run swiftly and let it be um, received with due honor. And also pray that we would be rescued from those wicked and evil men, for not all have have faith. So God, we ask for um, brothers and sisters all over the earth that are aiming to spread the gospel, that they would be unhindered, that they'd be able to to um, share the gospel um, um, freely, God, I ask that you would uh, send angels and, and earthquakes to prison and they would be set free and, and jailers and their whole family um, would be saved. We pray that hard to reach places are opened up like like uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, wide open right now because they got a millennial king. It's like, oh, let them come. It's fine. So God, let the message run run swiftly in those places and rescue them, deliver them from wicked And evil men, faithful is the Lord. He will strengthen you. He will guard you from the evil one. Verse 5. God, I ask you this uh, for us today. May the Lord keep your hearts devoted to the love of God and patient endurance demonstrated by the Messiah. So God, help us run the same race that Jesus ran. So the bloody cup of baptism that I drink you will also drink. God, help us embrace the cross, whatever, little ways and big ways, um, and demonstrate the same patience and endurance that Jesus did. Um, And in doing so, God, inherit eternal life. Did you not know the Messiah must suffer first and also enter his glory? Servant is not greater than his teacher. Jesus' name, we said, Amen. Amen.